This is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Now that's a scary set of scripture because Jesus Christ is telling you, you're so worried about what you're eating and what you're putting in your mouth and you know, don't eat, don't do, some of y'all are on low carb diet, some of you, you know, we get caught up in all that because of a physical needs and there are some physical needs, but he said that's not what's going to destroy a man. It's not these rules and regulations we put on him. What's going to destroy him and what defiles a man is what comes out of his mouth. This defileth a man. You realize the Bible says that every idle word is going to be, you're going to be held accountable for in the day of judgment. Every idle word. So uh, it's your words that are going to destroy you. It's your words that are going to save you. Who's ever shall call upon the name of the Lord? When you're... Those words you called out, please, Jesus Christ, will you save me? I'm just a sinner. Will you save my soul? Those are the words that are going to save you. And it's the words, that, the, uh, the words of your denial that are going to, uh, what's going, it's going to damn you. And Jesus Christ is bringing this up to them. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? Yeah, they were offended by that. They didn't like that. And notice that Jesus Christ was not afraid to offend people with the truth. He gave the truth, and if it offended you, well, just tough luck. And, and that's, that's the way we should be as Christians. You know, Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And we should not be afraid to offend somebody by telling them that truth. Now, we know people are going to get offended by that. They don't like that. You know, Brother Bill Eubanks was telling me, he's up in New York right now, by the way, and he told me to tell everybody hi. But you know, Bill, Brother Bill, he's just about half crazy. And he's out handing out tracts. And he said, well, you know, uh, Brother Keegan, he said, I've been handing out tracts. And I've been a little more bold than usual. I guess I'm just kind of getting a little stirred up or something. He said that he was in a bank area or something. And they were in the bank and, uh, with, his, with a pastor he's down there with. And he handed this, this uh, a guy a track. And he, he tried to hand this guy a track. And that guy says, I don't need that. And B Brother Bill told that guy, well, you're going to go to hell. So that guy walks out of the bank and he said, Brother Bill said, him and that pastor were there and they get out and they come out of the bank and we come out of the bank, there's that guy's wife. <laughs> he said, what are you doing telling my husband that he's going to go to hell? You're going to go to hell for telling him he's going to go to hell. And she started just screaming stuff like that out even everything. And he said, they just sit there and then the pastor came and got in the middle of it and was trying to calm everybody down and get everybody to the cars before somebody was shot and killed and everything. And Brother Bill gets in the car and Brother Bill told me, he said, when the pastor got in, and Brother Bill said, well, did you find out if the guy was saved or lost? Brother Bill, you almost got killed, man. You, you're lucky you're, that pastor's probably wanting to slap him. Pow, man. I don't know if he's lost or saved. We're lucky he didn't kill us, you know. But, he, but Brother Bill is getting that Holy Spirit. You know, when, you, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, and I've seen people like this, they are not afraid to offend you. You know what you see this in? You see this in with little kids. Little kids are so innocent, and they're, they're so, they've just come from God, and they're so innocent about everything they say. They'll say, you got a big nose. You're bald. I mean, they don't mind offending you and hurting your feelings. Right? We know that about little That's what makes them so precious. Is out of the mouth of babes comes the truth. And when you get full of the Holy Spirit, you tend to start telling the truth a whole lot more. And he says, knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? And this is Jesus, verse 13. But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted should be rooted up. Wow. <laughs> he just basically says, well, they're going to get rooted up and thrown into hell. My, my Father don't have nothing to do with them. This is your Savior saying it. Look what he says here in verse 14, one of my favorite set of scripture. Let them alone. Let them alone. They be blind, leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Woo-wee. Jesus didn't run over there and apologize, did he? Oh, I'm sorry that I offended you. I had to say that, but I just wasn't trying to offend your sweet, precious feeling. See, we're living in a world where, especially here in America, where everybody gets offended over every little thing. And it, they're so thin-skinned. And Jesus Christ, he didn't run over there and hug them and hug the Pharisees. Say, I'm sorry, guys, I shouldn't have offended you. I'm sorry that the truth hurts your feelings. He says, leave them alone. Look at verse 14. Let them alone. Let, just leave them alone. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. That's not very nice, Jesus. 
Yeah, they are, though. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. You know what he's saying there? He said they're going to hell and they're leading other people to hell and they're both going to go to hell. They're just blind. Let's go, boys. And then he goes on to talk to his disciples about some other things. Jesus Christ didn't, didn't spend 10 seconds worrying about offending somebody. And he didn't worry about trying to apologize for the truth. And he didn't worry about somebody who's going to hell when they were giving him a hard time. He said, well, that's what they want to go. That's where they'll go. We get so caught up in, oh, well, we get caught up and worried about people and where they're going to go and what's going to happen. Give them the truth. And if they, they don't want to listen to the truth, then let them go. They, it's a free country, amen. God's given them a free will. If they don't want to, they want to go another way to God, they're going to be the one to answer to God, right? They're not answering to you. Y'all got to keep that. You're not the judge and jury, guys, of God. God's going to be the judge and jury. And you say, well, if you think that's the way to heaven, you think going the Buddhist way is to, he to heaven is the right, whatever you think, more power to you. There's other people that want to hear the truth. But this morning I want to preach on blind Leaders of the blind. Blind leaders of the blind is what I want to focus on. Because there's a great story in Numbers chapter 16. So let's turn to Numbers chapter 16. We're going to stay here the rest of the morning in Numbers. But in Numbers chapter 16, there's a great story of a man named Korah. That was a blind leader of the blind. And he fell into a ditch. And so I want to focus the rest of this morning on Korah, and he was a blind leader of the blind, and I want to preach on this morning about blind leaders of the blind, because Jesus Christ was telling us about them, and he said they'll fall into a ditch, both of them, not only the blind leaders, but those that are following the blind leaders, they're both going to fall in the ditch, they're both going to go to hell. So we're going to focus this morning on the story of Korah, it's a great story found in Numbers chapter 16 there in verse 1, we're going to focus on this. And see what the Bible has to say what happens and what, what the Bible has to say about how a blind leader conducts himself, how a blind leader acts, the actions of a blind leader, and the, the, the words of a blind leader. And you're going to see some amazing things in this story that relate to a lot of things that's going on in religions and in the world today. Look at Numbers chapter 16, verse 1. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan... And Ubarim, Abiram. Now Korah, Dathan, Abiram, Abiram are going to be the three culprits of this story. They're going to be the ones that are going to cause Moses and Aaron all the trouble. The sons of Eliab and On, the son of Eliath, the sons of Reuben, took men, verse 2, and they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, and men of renown. Now they're going to come up and they're about to tell Moses that we don't like what's going on here. And I'm going to, first thing I'm going to point out to you about blind leaders of the blind is blind leaders tend to be rich. This says they're 50 princes. See those princes? They're rich people. They tend to be rich public officials. They, they're famous. They're men of renown. They blind leaders tend to be rich public officials, celebrities, good looking, good talkers. And that's the ones that will fool you. The ones that get up in a nice suit, the ones that look really pretty, the ones that look handsome and pretty, and the, the, you tend to uh, want to believe what they have to say, and they're good talkers. They're the ones that are the blind leaders. They're the ones that are going to fool people. Because they, they, the people are listening to them not because they're telling the truth. They're listening to them because they look good, and they talk good, and they have money, and look how wealthy they are, and look how they're a celebrity. They're rich. And that's where the people that were leading these blind leaders, these were the blind leaders. And people tend to follow people like that. You see this in the world today with our young teenagers. The young teenagers, they don't look for what somebody, if somebody's telling the truth or not. They look to see, is, can this person sing really good? Can this, does this person look really good? Is this per person funny? And can he talk really funny? And is, does he entertain me? It's all about looks and entertainment and, and celebrity and famous and renowned, which is what verse 2 is saying. It has nothing to do with the truth. And that's the problem. And we need to be careful as Christians not to get caught into that because you see celebrity preachers that are on TV. And some of them are not good, brothers and sisters. They're out for money. They really are. And they're, they're celebrity preachers and they look good and they dress good and they talk really, really good. And I'm telling you, they know the English language and have a, a better command of it than I do. But the only difference between me and them is not that I'm better than them, is I'm, I'm hanging on the truth, which is this word of God right here. 
It's not my truth. It's not me. It's the truth. So any preacher that stands up and, and gives you the truth out of the Bible, that's the leader you want to follow. That's a leader, not a blind leader. Okay. Let's move along. And they gathered, verse 3, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Wow, they, have a, they said a lot in there that we're going we're gonna to tear, tear this apart. So start back out in the middle of verse 3. Ye take, to, they said to Moses and Aaron, ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them. He said that all the congregation, these people that are following Moses in the wilderness, he says they're all holy. Notice he says they're all holy, every one of them. Blind leaders, listen to this, blind leaders tend to teach that their followers are holy and right. You see this in the cults. These cults that rise up. In these cults, you have these famous, you have these very charismatic leaders in these cults. That's how they get started. In these cults, they get started. And in these cults, they think, they teach that their followers are the right way. Their followers are right. Their followers are holy. Their followers are doing the right thing. That's how blind leaders act. You want a leader that's going to tell you that you're sorry and no good. <laughs> that's what you want. You don't want somebody coddling you all the time. You don't want somebody coddling you all the time. That's why this word of God does not coddle you. Amen. It shoots you right in the heart every time. But what the word of God does is the word of God, it, it, it'll, it'll break you down, but then it does what's so wonderful is God takes and lifts you up. Amen. See, God says, you're no good, you're sorry, you're a sinner, you're wicked, you're unrighteous. And you're going down and down. And then God says, but God does it. God lifts you up and says, but I still love you. Amen. That's what he does. That's what you want. That's how God works. Then God gets all the glory. God gets all the praise out of that. But blind leaders tend to teach that their followers are holy and right. Because he says there, all the congregation are holy, every one of them. Here's the problem, brothers and sisters. Korah is not listening to the words of God. Turn back two pages to Numbers chapter 14. Let's see what God had to say about this congregation. Numbers chapter 14. Look at Numbers chapter 14. Just a couple pages back probably. Verse 27. Look at verse 27. Let's see what God had to say about this congregation that Korah said is so holy and everybody's right. Because he said every one of them is holy. Every one of them. Let me, let me ask you a question. Surely you're not foolish to think that everybody around you in this church is good and holy, right? Amen. Amen. Surely you're not that naive. Let me ask you another question. Surely you don't think that every pastor you run into is holy and right. Amen. Surely you're not that naive, right? Let me go one more step. Surely you don't think that Brother Keegan is holy and right. Amen. Amen. If you do, talk to my wife and she will straighten you out. That's a problem sometimes. Y all, y all, sometimes some of y'all only see me on Sundays. And I get up here on Sundays and I try to dress nice, try to look nice. I try to take a shower, try to shave. And you're seeing me on Sunday and I try, I try to conduct myself in a holy manner because I want, I want to be right. But if you're around me for any length of time, the old Keegan slips out. And the old Keegan does things he shouldn't do. The old Keegan says some, things he shouldn't say. And that's what my, me and Brother Eubanks were talking about last night on the phone, was talking about how we know, we're, we, we know we're sinners, we know who we are, but we know that Jesus Christ is the right way. We're never trying to lead people to us. I'm never trying to lead you to me. I'm trying to lead you to the Word of God, to Jesus Christ through the Word of God. That's what a person should do. But here's where Korah fell down. Korah stopped listening to the words of God and started saying, well, look at all these people. They're all holy, every one of them. Look what, God, look what God said in Numbers chapter 14, verse 27. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. <laughs> and then God goes on to say some other things. Listen, he says right there in verse 27, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? 
A blind leader thinks that everybody is right, everybody's holy that's following him. But a real leader knows that people that are following him are not righteous, that are not good. A, real, a, a leader that's leading the word of God, leading with the word of God, realizes that stuff. So you won't hope, we're not, we, we try to hold each other accountable, but we're never going to come in here and say, we're, we're never going to come in here and say, well, I expected so much more out of you. What am I going to say? Somebody should say, hey, I know exactly what you're going through. I've slipped up too. Let's pray about it. Let's get right with the Lord. Because we know we're not holy. And a blind leader thinks that everybody following him is holy and right. When God, and they're denying God's words. You know why God said that about them? Because God had led them up to the promised land and they wouldn't go in. And they kept murmuring and murmuring. And there's a part right there, I didn't read to you, where God says, Ten times since I've led them out of the, since they come through the Red Sea. They've seen the miracle of the Red Sea. God says, Ten times they've murmured against me and turned against me. God's getting up right about up here, up here with them. And then now, one of the, now Korah's going around saying, why is Moses and Aaron leading us? Man, everybody around here is holy and righteous. Man, so let's see what happens right here. Go back up to Numbers chapter 16. Let's go back to Numbers chapter 16. And they gather themselves, verse 3, gather themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, you take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them. Man, those are slick words, but they're lies straight out of hell. Not everybody's holy. You're not even holy, Korah. Crazy nut. And the Lord is among them. Wherefore, look at this. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Why are you in charge, Moses? The reason why Moses is in charge is because God put him in charge. <laughs> you remember when Moses was called? Moses did everything he could to get out of the calling. Lord, there's got to be better people you can send. There's got to be somebody who can talk better than me. There's got to be. God, God chose Moses, and Moses did everything he could to get out of it. That's a good leader. A good leader doesn't necessarily want to lead. He leads because some stuff needs to get done. Not because he wants to be in charge of people. A good leader leads because that's what the Lord's called him to do, and he's supposed to be, he needs to be doing it. And how, how, quick is, how quick is Korah to forget that God chose him? God chose Moses. Korah was there when God says, I want nobody up here on this mountain. I want you to build a ring around it because if, if anybody else approaches this mountain, I'm going to kill them. But Moses can come up here. I want Moses up here. Korah was there when this happened. Korah should remember that Moses came down off the mountain from 40 days and 40 nights and his face was glowing. He'd been so close to God. His face was so bright and glowing that the Bible says they had to put a veil over Moses' face. He was scaring everybody. And then all of a sudden he's saying, why are you in charge? Let me ask you a question. Well, let's go on. Let's go on before I ask that question. Let's go on. Verse 4. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. And he spake unto Korah and to all his company, saying, even, to, even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy. And will cause him to come near unto him. Even him whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. Moses is telling the truth. Moses says the Lord will tell who he wants and who he don't want. It's the Lord's, it's the Lord's job, amen? amen? Not man's job to decide who's who. Verse 6, this do take ye censers, Korah, and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense before them, in them before the Lord tomorrow, and it shall be that the man whom the Lord hath to choose, he shall be holy, and you take too much upon you, you sons of Levi. Ooh, Moses turned their words around on him. See, they had, they had accused him back up in verse 3, you take too much upon you, and Moses says, hey, no, you're taking too much on you, Levi, the sons of Levi. You're trying to do too much. You've already been given a little bit. Look at verse 8. And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you, you sons of Levi. Notice, sons of Levi were chosen out of all the other tribes to be priests to God. They were going to serve God in the spiritual things of sacrifice and moving the tabernacle and, and the things that need to be done for God. Everybody else could go do what they wanted to do, but God had chosen the tribe of Levi to, to come and, and to approach and to do that, and he says, verse 9, Seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel hath separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do service of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them? He said, do you think it's a small thing that God's chosen you above all the other tribes? 
See, sometimes God chooses men to do something for them, and then God takes advantage of it and starts... Man starts taking advantage of it, and what? They start making money off of it. They start taking advantage of people. They start ruling churches like popes, Baptist popes. You see this all the time. And that's what Korah's doing. Korah was already a part of a tribe that was going to do something for the Lord, but he wanted to do just a little bit more and take control. It's like, I don't you know what it said as a Baptist, but it's like a deacon that wants to be a preacher. Getting quiet in here, huh? Thank God we don't have any deacons here, praise the Lord. But I've been in Baptist churches where you have these deacons, they want to be the preacher. And then when they run off the preacher, the deacon gets up there to try to preach, and he can't preach his way out of a paper of sack because God never, cho never chose him to preach. Amen. And it's not this, like some, I'm not talking about me personally or this church or preachers. I'm just talking about the Word of God, how there's blind leaders leading the blind, and you need to be careful of this stuff. And you're seeing how they act. Verse 10, and he hath brought thee near to him. This is Moses still talking. And he hath brought thee near to him. And all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee, and seek ye the priesthood also? For which cause both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you murmur against him? He's saying, Korah, God's already given you something to do for him. We didn't choose to be leaders. God chose us to be leaders. We don't want any of this. But now that's not good enough for you. Now you want to be a leader. You don't want to be satisfied with what God's giving you to do. You want to start trying to do stuff that God's never told you to do. Isn't, you should, guys, you've you got to understand. If you get anything out of this service, get this about the Lord God, about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He has a personality. And the Lord, now, now, don't take this, don't get offended. But this is the truth. The Lord has a personality, and the Lord Jesus Christ likes certain people better than other people. He chooses certain people more than other people. This is through the Scripture. Jesus comes up, the Bible says in Corinthians, I mean, the Bible says there, and I think in Luke, that he chose 70 people. And he, sent, he takes out these 70, and he sends them out. You know, what he does, you know what he does next? From that 70, he chooses out 12 he likes out of that 70. See, he's got a personality. You know what he does from that 12 of his disciples? You know what he does from the 12 disciples? When you study the Bible and you read the Bible, there'll be 12 disciples with him, and when he wants to do something, you know what he'll do? He'll take three of them out of the 12, Peter, James, and John, and he leaves the others behind. Have you read that? He does it all the time. And if you keep reading the Bible and study the Bible, it goes from 70 to 12 to three, and you know what it goes from there? It goes to one disciple. John. And that's the one that Jesus loved more than any, was John. He allowed John to sit at his breast when he was eating. John was given the book of Revelations, brothers and sisters. I'm telling you that God has a personality, and you need to do what you can do to make God like you. <laughs> Amen! I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but man, I wonder sometimes, like, why does God even want to like you? You want to call on his name, but you don't ever go to church. You don't ever read his Bible. You don't ever talk about his son. You, you think he's going to like you more than somebody over here that's doing what, what he wants them to do? He, he likes certain people. You know what David said in the Bible? David said about the Lord, he said, the Lord liked me. David had a lot of brothers. David had a lot of brothers that could have been picked over him. But God says, I don't want that one. I don't want that one. God told Samuel, that guy right there, that kid right there, that one right there, the one named David, that's going to be my next king. And David said, he liked me. I'm trying to show you that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, has a personality, just like you and me. And there's people you like more. There's people you, you want around you more. That's the way Jesus was. So Moses is basically telling Korah, Hey, God's doing what he's doing with you. He just picked me. I don't know why he picked me. He did. You know why he did, Moses? Because God liked Moses more than he liked Korah. God knew there's something in Korah that wouldn't lead these people and couldn't lead these people. Verse 11. Oh, let's go ahead and go to verse 12. Let's move on. <clears throat> I need to get, get the moving. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, We will not come up. So Moses says, I want these guys, the two guys that are starting trouble from the tribe of Reuben, Dathan and Abiram, he goes, I want you to come up here and I want you to come to the house of God. And they said, we're not coming up. 
See, they're rebellious. They're rebellious. Verse 13, is it a small thing? Look what they say to Moses. Look what they say to Moses. Verse 13, is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of a land that floweth with milk and honey? Are you completely nuts? They're saying, you brought us from Egypt that was full of, of flowing with milk and honey. You were slaves in Egypt. <laughs> Do you not know the story? They were slaves in Egypt. They were, they, and, and when they were making more bricks, Pharaoh said, make even more bricks. You know what the Bible says? That after 400 years, they were crying out to God for a deliverer. Crying out to God. And God says, okay, I'll give you one. There's a man on the other side of the mountain named Moses. I'm going to get him. And his brother Aaron, he can go help him. I'll deliver you out. They're forgetting, they're forgetting what, the, what the past was like. Blind leaders focus, blind leaders, uh, blind leaders tend to teach, oh, let's, okay, let me, let me, verse 13, let me see, let me make sure I get the right one up here. Yeah, blind leaders focus on the past and not the future. Make sure I get the right point here. Blind leaders tend to focus on the past and not the future. They're focusing on where they came from. And, the, and what the problem when you focus on the past, brothers and sisters, when you reminisce, here's the danger of reminiscing. And I hear people reminisce all the time at work. The dangers of reminiscing, is, of reminiscing about the good old days is you tend to think about it only being good and you tend to forget all the bad. I'm here to tell you this morning that the good old days weren't as good as they, you remember them to be. And a blind leader tends to focus on the past and not to look towards the future. You know what you need to do, brothers and sisters? Every morning you need to say, whatever sin I did, whatever thing I did that was wrong, it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. Today is a new day. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ the best way I can. That's in the past. It's buried. It's under the blood of Jesus Christ. Like Paul says, I'm striving forward for the high calling of the name of Jesus Christ. I'm striving forward. You put all that stuff in the past. Forget about it. Just let it go. And let's strive forward. Because when you start reminiscing, you'll start thinking about the good old days. They're never as good as you thought they were. And you tend to forget the bad. And here they are coming out of Egypt as slaves, persecuted Pharaoh was trying to kill them. Pharaoh was taking their kids and destroying their kids, killing their kids, and they're talking about the land like it was flowing with milk and honey. It's amazing. It's, 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 it's awe-inspiring to think people could be that ignorant. But people are. And we can be too, brothers and sisters. We can be fooled by that. Blind leaders will fool you with their words, with their, the way they talk, the way they act. And you've got to get through all the nonsense. You've got to get through all the light show. You've got to get through the pretty people. You've got to get through the pretty talk. And you've got to get down to the kernel of the truth. What is the truth? I just want the truth. And when you get a heart for just wanting the truth, Jesus Christ said, the truth shall make you free. So get through all that and say, I just want the truth, Lord Jesus. Give me the truth. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land that floweth with milk and honey? To kill us in the wilderness? Let me ask you a question. Here's Korah. Here's Dathan. Here's Abiram. Where were they when Israel needed leaders in Egypt? Where were they? They were there in Egypt. God, the Israel needed a leader there in Egypt. Israel needed leaders. Where were they? They wait to somebody else like Moses and Aaron. Get up, start leading, doing all the hard work, paying all the price, sacrificing their life, and they lead them out of Egypt, and they get them over, they get, lead them to the promised land, and then what do they do? They start saying, we should be leading. Where were you when we needed a leader? I'm telling you, man, I've seen it in this church right here. Not with any of y'all in here, but I've seen it when I started this, getting this church going again, and Carolyn was here, and, we, and Brother Raymond was here, and we were getting this, there was, there was two people here, and we were trying to, pews were all on the walls, we did, the carpet was horrible, we were painting it, we were doing all this. Guess who showed up? The Baptist area missionary. Not been helping them, had not helped this church one time. 
They, they didn't have a preacher. They had a, had a woman here trying to run this church. The poor lady was here by herself trying to run this church until I was called here. She was just doing the best thing. She'd come up here and open up the church doors and teach a Sunday school lesson to her grandkids. She was doing the best she can, and God bless her for that. But when the church called me as a pastor and I started trying to straighten some things out and we started doing it, he shows up. He got, I guess he heard that we were getting things going here. So then he shows up and he wants to be a part of it. And you know what I told him? I said, well, brother, I got to, because they're Southern Baptists. I said, I got to tell you something, man. We voted out of the Southern Baptist Convention. We're not sending any money to the Southern Baptist Convention. We're independent Baptists. He flipped out. He said, you can't do that. I just started laughing at him. I said, you, you can't do that. We're Baptists. He goes, I'll revoke your vote. <laughs> revoke our vote. We're Baptists. Do you know what the word Baptist means? We're autonomous. That means we do what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. We're autonomous. We run this thing separately from anybody else. If you're lucky, we'll send you a dollar. And if we don't send you any money, then tough luck. We're not doing nothing for you. He was so red-faced. So I started feeling a little bit guilty because I kind of stomped on his toes a little bit. And I said, you know what, man, if you want to get up there, I'll give you 10 minutes. You want to get up there behind the pulpit and tell why this church needs to start following the Southern Baptist Convention, send in money. I'll give you time to, 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 to make your spill, and you can tell us what, why we should. Uh, you already make your mind up. He wouldn't even do that. He didn't want to get up here and defend the Southern Baptist Convention. I'll give him credit. He sat through the whole service. And then after service was done, he left out of here, and I never seen him again. And that was probably like eight, nine years ago. Where were you when they needed you? That's my point. That's my question. So many people, they wait till somebody starts leading, somebody sticks their neck out, somebody starts doing something. Then they show up and say, well, okay, well, I want to be a part of this now. I'll tell you how you really need to be doing it. Well, why don't you just hit the road? Amen, Brother Keegan. Just hit the road, man. We don't need you here. We're already doing what we want to do. Man, I started this church, get this church going again. We need to change the name of the church, and we need to make it Indian Gap Community Church. It'll be a cold day in hell. Amen. Oh, boy, she got so mad at me. I said, be it a cold day in hell. I'm a Baptist, and when I put Baptist on there, I want people that are driving down the road to know what we believe and the doctrine we believe before they walk in the doors. I'm not putting community church. I'm a Baptist. If you don't like it, go to a community church. I'm a Baptist. I don't, I, I'm telling you, when you get full of the Holy Spirit, you don't mind offending people because you're telling them the truth. But so many people want to get in on something and then they want to put in their two cents. And that's what stirs me up when I read this stuff that they're saying to Moses. Poor Moses has sacrificed everything. And then they show up and say, well, we were really better off when we were over there in Egypt. Look at this, what they say to him next. They're at the end of verse 13. You went out to kill us in the wilderness. Look, they're blaming him for killing them. Except thou make, make thyself altogether a prince over us. Blind leaders accuse others of things because that's how they would act if they're in that situation. I'm going to read that again. Blind leaders accuse others of things because that's how they would act if they were in that situation. I tend to notice this in life that a thief blames everybody for stealing. A liar blames everybody's lying, saying everybody's lying. You ever notice that? A lot of times these people that accuse everybody of doing something, that's because that's how they would act if they had that situation. You know, if, if some money comes missing or something at, 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 a, at, a, at, a, at a house or at a business or something like that, you know, you think, oh, well, we, we must have misplaced that envelope. No, I think oh, so-and-so stole it. I bet oh, so-and-so came in the house and stole it. You're probably thinking that because that's probably what you would do. <laughs> Getting caught in here. <laughs> Amen, but that's how people act. Guys, you've got to watch yourself. Blind leaders, they're accusing Moses of trying to be a leader. He didn't want this job. Amen, Moses didn't want the job. God gave him the job and made him take it. And now they're saying, you're trying to kill us, and we had it so much better off. Man, I tell you, poor old Moses, man, he's getting it. Verse 14, look at verse 14. Verse 14, moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey, or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards? Wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. <laughs> I tell you what, man. I, see, the, Moses was a, Mo, the Bible says Moses was the meekest man on the earth. He had to be. 
Because I would have just pulled out a sword right there and just cut that guy's head off right there. You say, why would you do that, Brother Keegan? You, you need to read your Bible. Okay, let's, I'm going to show you what happened here. Because you need to understand what happened here. Look at verse 14. Moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey. Look at Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. Here's, here's what, they, they just accused Moses of not taking him to a land that flowed with milk and honey. Moses took him up to the promised land. Moses sent out the spies, Caleb and Joshua and the other men. And they came back and they said, man, this, we, Caleb and Joshua said, let's go. God's, God's with us. Let's go get this land. It flows with milk and honey. There's grapes the size of cantaloupes. Let's go down there. Let's go whip them. We got it. And the other men go, oh, no. The Amalek are there, the giants, and man, we, we look like grasshoppers to them. And the congregation, Korah and Dathan and Abram, they said, oh, no, 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 oh, no, we're not going into that land. We're not going to have no part of that. Moses took them to the promised land, and they chickened out. They chickened out. They're accusing Moses of not taking them to the land. He took them, and they chickened out. He led them up there, and he turned around, and they're like, oh, no, we don't want no part of this. Look at, look at uh, Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. Look what God has to say about this. And the, all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Why are they crying and weeping? Because they told them there's giants in the land, and God had told them that he would take them down there and kill every one of them and deliver them, and they said, we don't believe God. No, there's giants. And so they're crying and weeping all night long in verse 1. Look at ver and that includes Korah, and that includes his little pals there, Dothan and Abram. Abram. Verse 2, And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land, we had died in the land of Egypt. Oh, would God, oh, would God we had died in the wilderness. <laughs> Moses leads them up. Moses and Aaron, by God's power, leads them up, gets ready to go in the promised land. They say, oh, I wish we would have died in Egypt. Oh, I wish we would have died in the wilderness. Friends, Jesus Christ said at the very beginning of this sermon, it's not what goes in your mouth that's going to defile you what come out. It's what comes out, right? Look what God does to them. Verse 3, And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey? They're blaming God for this now. They chickened out, and now they're not only blaming Moses and Aaron, they're putting it off on the Lord. Read it with me. Wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? They want to turn around. Moses did lead them to a land flowing with milk and honey. And they chickened out. And now that they've chickened out, now they're trying to tell Moses and Aaron, you never took us where you said you were going to take us. <laughs> now you know why I said I would have just pulled out the sword and said, come here, boy. You know, just right there. You're a fool. You made me look stupid in front of God. I took you up here and you started blaming me and God. Look at verse 28. Same chapter 14, look at verse 28. Now, but look at verse, start at verse 26. And the Lord gets about enough of this. Look what the Lord says to Moses. Man, you got to watch what comes out of your mouth. Brothers and sisters, you better watch what comes out of your mouth. They had said up there, it'd be better if we died in the wilderness. It'd be better if we died in Egypt. It, you, you, God, you're trying to make our children be killed and our wives be killed. Look what God does to them in verse 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmuring of this children of Israel which they murmur against me. I'm going to stop right there and remind you, he was saying that they're all holy, remember? Later on, he tells Moses and Aaron, We're all holy. We're all holy. This whole congregation, every one of them. And I, I turned to this scripture and read it to you. Now you're getting the context of what's going on. These blind leaders, that's why God says they're blind. They have no common sense. They forgot yesterday. Verse 28. Say unto them, 
This is God now. As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Ooh. So you know what you were saying back there to Moses and Aaron? What you said was going to happen? That's what I'm going to do to you. Brothers and sisters, you've got to watch what comes out of your mouth. Man, if you can spend your day praising the Lord, telling the Lord how good He is, telling the Lord how wonderful He is, man, you're a lot better off. Because He's got a personality. And Lord God's got a character. And the Lord God loves to be buttered up. He loves to get the glory. Amen. Verse 29, your, your carcasses, look what he says, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. And all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward which have murmured against me, doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Those are the two that wanted to go. Verse 31, but your little ones, which you said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, verse 32, but as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in the wilderness. Oh yeah, you didn't want to go down in there? And then you started blaming me and blaming Moses. I tell you what, you said you would rather die in the wilderness? That's what's going to happen to you. I'm going to kill you in the wilderness. Guard your mouth, brothers and sisters. Amen. And then these fools, after God's told them all that, Moses falls on their face, spares them. Spares them. Look, go, go back up. I, see what, I, I didn't want to do this, but go back up to verse 11. See, you've got to get the context of what's going on in this story because it's amazing that people follow blind leaders. Look, go back up to verse 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? Now remember, they just said that they're not going to go, that God wanted to kill them. It's God's fault. It's Moses' fault. And the Lord said unto Moses in verse 11, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have shown among them. You want to get on God's bad side? Stop believing God. That's what you do. Just accuse God of something and then stop believing in him. Verse 12, I will smite them with the pestilence and disherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. <laughs> That's Moses he's talking to, brothers and sisters. God just said, you know what, this people that won't go up there, I'm going to kill them all, I'm going to kill every one of them. And Moses, I'll just take you and I'll make a great nation out of you. Now there's a leader, there's a leader that's, that's about to, it's being given the most incredible power by God. And they deserve it, amen. amen? They just accuse Moses of being stupid and his brother, and they accuse God. And God says, you know what? I'm done with them. I'm done with them. I'm done with them. I'm going to kill them all, and I'm going to make you a greater nation. That's what you're reading right there in verse 12, right? Amen. Let me show you what a real leader does. Let me show you what a real leader of people does. Look at the very next verse. And Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it, for thou brought us up this people and thy might from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. For they have heard that the Lord art among this people, that thou, Lord, art seen, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thou, cloud, standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of night, a pillar of fire by night. Now, verse 15, Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people unto the land which he sware unto them. Therefore he saith, He hath slain them in the wilderness. So Moses is defending the people that want to kill him. Moses defends his followers and says, now, Lord, if you do this and you kill all these people, Egypt and all these other countries around, Syria and all that, they're going to start saying, Hey, see, God couldn't take care of them. That's why he killed them all. See, Moses is, is talking to God, fellowshipping with God, dealing with God, trying to change God's mind. God has a personality. You can change his mind. He's not some pie-in-the-eye-sky idea. God has a personality. If you don't like how God's doing something in your life, pray to him and ask him to change. Will you change your mind? But trust him in belief and faith. Man, I tell you what, 
Verse 17, And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great, according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering, and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the, up, unto the third and fourth generation. Pardon, verse 17, I mean 19, Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy, and as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even unto now. What a wonderful leader. That's the kind of man I would want to follow. That's the kind of man I would want to follow that even when I'm cussing him out, even when I'm saying he's sorry and no good, even when I said that he's the problem that's going to get my, my wife and kids killed, even when I'm sorry, he's everything, call him everything but a dog, he still defends me and loves me and goes to bat for me. That's why Moses is one of the greatest men in the whole Bible. What, what great character. Because he comes to God and he says, God, you know, it's going to make you look bad on the other nations. See, he's, he's dealing with God. But then he says, God, the reason why I'm talking to you is verse 18. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiven iniquity and transgression. You come to God knowing that He is forgiving, He has grace, He has mercy. That's the kind of Lord God you're dealing with. I tell you what, guys, there's a lot we can learn from Moses. And there's a lot we can learn from Korah. And I'm going to shut this sermon down right here because I'm gone too late. And then I'll finish this sermon. Lord willing, we'll finish it up next Sunday. And we'll finish up what happens to Korah. It isn't good. God doesn't put up with this nonsense. And blind leaders, they will, like Jesus Christ said, blind leaders, they will fall down into a ditch. I thank the Lord for men like Moses that was such a, showed such great character and, and such great character in turmoil and all the storms of life that come from people around him that are supposed to love him, people that are supposed to take care of him, and it's just him and God. And he cries out to God to forgive the men that were out to get him. That's what Jesus Christ said about loving your enemies. Loving your enemies. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for Moses and the great uh, meekness that he showed, Father. Help us to have a heart like Moses. Then when we have somebody that's out to get us, Lord, that we have somebody that's trying to get after us, Father, that we'll go to you and we'll ask you to forgive them and to pardon their sin, Lord God. Father, thank you that you give us the commandments of loving our enemies, Lord. We know that's a better way to live. And Father, through your Holy Spirit, give us the power to do that, Father. Now, Lord, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord, they can't think of a time that they called out to him in, in, in voice and in prayer, asking him to save them, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we give this invitation, they'll come on down the aisle, and they'll ask Jesus Christ to save them. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. 
he's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him